0: I often share with the church there at Harvest some words of wisdom that comes from a man that I have the privilege to serve with there uh, back home through a mission. Talk a little bit about that here in just a little bit. But uh, he always says that if that doesn't get your fire burning, then your wood's wet. My my heart is warm uh, and overflowing. And I share in these brothers that you can just sense the presence of the Lord and just the the pure and sincere worship that we've had. I was talking to several of you this morning, and, and it is always exciting to preach the Word. I'm so thankful to be here, to be with you, to be gathered together as the body of Christ, to be with brothers and sisters who have come with nothing other than to come and just worship And just raise up the name of Christ. Exalt Him and worship. If you will, turn with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And we're going to look at the first eight verses of Psalm 34. Now let me be clear. Before I start reading and before I start preaching that I say words differently than you say some words. So if there's a word that I say that you don't understand, then you jot down what you think I might be saying, and we can clarify afterwards, because there will be a few of those, I am sure. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 1, David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. And yes, I say it loudly because David puts an exclamation point right there as well. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Would you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I stand here an unworthy man. But God, I am a man who you have lifted up, who have heard my cries, who has saved me. And God, till this day, I don't understand your plan why you would call me to be so privileged to preach your word. God, may you bless it. May you bless the preaching and the teaching. God, I trust that you have prepared hearts to absorb what you say here through David. God, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity for us to once again gather together as the body of Christ and offer to you worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been at a place, maybe it's your house, Uh, we've had tables like this before, but you end up with a table that has a a little short leg on one side or maybe it's something imperfection in the floor and, and so the legs don't sit equally on the floor. And so every time that someone puts a little pressure on one side, the old table it just tilts over. And then somebody puts a little pressure on the other side and the table just tilts back the other way and, and it just teeter-totters back and forth and it drives you absolutely crazy. You know what I'm talking about. Someone's drinks always seems to be sloshing out during supper. And if it's like it is at my house and, and we find ourselves at a table like that. It's somebody always blaming the person on the other side for putting the pressure on the table and causing it to tilt back back over. It's really distracting throughout the meal. And well, as the easiest DIY or do-it-yourself remedy is always to just put something under that leg to help shore up that table so it won't wobble. So you're thinking, what can I put under this table. What can I slide under that leg that's going to steady it up and so you look around the house for something that is just the right thickness to even out the legs of the table and you walk in your child's room if you have children because I can tell you as a parent and you know this if you're a parent that's where you're going to find the most stuff and the most stuff that won't be missed anyway and so you walk in there and you spot a children's book that happens to be just the perfect thickness. And you know in your mind they're never going to miss this one book. If I take this book and help shore up that table and so you take that children's book and you slide it under that table and it's a win-win situation. Meal times becomes so much more enjoyable after that because there's no more spilled drink, there's no more bickering back and forth across the table over that wobbly table that is driving, driving you nuts, has driven you nuts at so many meals before. That book has brought joy. That book is, is doing a, a very good thing for you and your family. Because of that book, the family is now able to enjoy one another around the table again. Now think about this. The book is serving a purpose. And not only is the book serving a purpose, it is serving that purpose with little to no glory ever being given to the book. Even though it's serving you so well, never does anybody say, I'm so thankful for that book that's holding up our... Table, And as a matter of, foot, a matter of fact, the, the book lies under that table leg. No one ever sees it. It's getting beaten. It's getting battered. It's down there under the feet of the people that it's serving. You just have to say, man, that's one humble book. To do that good work and to never receive any glory for it, what a humble book that it, it is doing such a good deed and receiving no glory. But then one night, the family has over for dinner a local author who they have come to know. And when the dinner bell rings, they all make their way in to find their seat at the table. And sometime throughout that meal, that guest drops his napkin, and when he bends over to pick it up, what does he see? He sees his book being used to prop up their table. Is He honored? Because they have found such a noble purpose for His book? No. No, He's heartbroken. He's offended. Perhaps He's even angry. Why? Because that was not at all what He had planned for that book. He was the author of that book. He had a story to tell with that book. His book was to bring joy, but not holding up a table. Not joy from holding up a table. It was giving hope to the children that would read it. He gave birth to that book. He created it for a specific purpose. Though they meant no harm. Though they didn't mean to ever offend the author of the book, though they were just trying to do something good, at the end of the day, they had no right. They had no authority to ever use that book for any other purpose outside that which its Creator intended. Now I affirm the Westminster Shorter Catechism and the Baptist Catechism likewise, in that they teach that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God as Creator, who knew you and knew me in the, our mother's womb, who knew your name in eternity past, created you for a purpose. I am guilty of saying that we are to bring glory to God but we have to be careful here. We have to be careful when we say it that way because this can quickly become some faulty thinking. See, we might get away with bring forth glory to God, but we can never bring added glory to God. God has all the glory that he could ever possess. It's perfect glory that God has. No, our purpose is not to add glory but rather our purpose for being is to shine God's existing glory. As His image bears, we are to adore God in such a way that His glory is shown through us. We are to bear likeness in His Son and produce fruit for His kingdom so that the Creator God, the Father God, the Almighty God is exalted and worshipped and feared. Why? Because He is God. You see, we don't have the authority. We don't have the right to use our lives for anything other than for the purpose that it was given. Even though sin defiled the God-bearing image that we once had, Christ redeemed it. Just like that book, so... Many times we find God's people doing some mighty good things, really good things, living good moral lives. We find the church serving a really good purpose. They are humbly giving themselves under the feet of others, but to what end? But to what end? Just as that book was never designed to hold up that table, you and I were not designed to use our lives for any other purpose apart from glorifying God. We glorify God when we live obedient to His plan and His design. And As David says, it tastes so good that we cannot stop indulging ourselves in His goodness. It's better than tomato grape, which you introduced to me in Kentucky. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Doesn't that seem bold to you? Doesn't that seem bold that I will bless God at all times? But you know what, as we read everything that David wrote, it seems like David was always bold in the way he spoke. And particularly the way he spoke to God through his prayer. Psalm 26 is one that always stands out to me. Psalm 26, for, uh, let me read that to you. Just a few verses of it. Or let me just read the whole thing. It's very short. David says this in, in Psalm 26. He says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Now get this. Listen what he says to God. He says, Prove me, O Lord. Try me. Test my heart and my mind. For Your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in Your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of overdoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands with the inno- in innocence, and I go around your altar, O oh Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners for my life with, or, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me. Be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Now for the ones of you that might not know me, you know that I work, let me tell you that I work with a mission back home called Camp Nathaniel. And a part of what we do is a summer camp. All summer long, for all different age groups. And for all summer long, we have we bring in our summer staff that we call them that come in and they help us hold those camps. And we break those summer staff up into discipleship groups and then we as full-time staff, we take those summer staff and we share with them for about an hour a week in a discipleship Uh, group. And so I had four high school and college age men in my discipleship group all summer long and I read them Psalm 26 and I asked them this, do you feel confident enough to talk to God this way? Do you have the confidence to be able to pour out and speak to God so assertively? Have you got that kind of confidence in your walk? And I think for most of us, we'd feel prideful if we ever spoke to God this way. But it's not pride that David speaks. What did David say in our primary text? He said, my soul makes me boast in the Lord. I boast in the Lord. David makes his claim not out of pride, but out of allegiance, about out of his love for God. That's where David comes from. That's the heart which David speaks so boldly. So guys, listen, it's time that we become bold. It's time that the body of Christ become bold. It's time that we become fearless, which is another very popular theme of David. It's time that we stand and become courageous. We were created for this. Be bold in your faith. Live with abandonment. Don't just surrender some, but surrender all, everything, everything. God, David boldly, boldly says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And then he tells us how, he tells us why, and then he challenges us to do it too. Let me begin with how. When David boldly says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and here's how. Here's how that I'm going to do it. At the end of verse 1, he says, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In an article that he wrote back in 1978, John Piper said this about blessing God. He said, Blessing God is an expression of praising thankfulness or an exclamation of gratitude and admiration. The whole book, this whole Bible, this whole thing that we read and we study and we hear preached and and taught and that we pour ourselves into, the whole thing is God revealing Himself to us. We cannot begin to understand God fully is so far above what we have the capability of. But God pours into these pages just a glimpse of who He is. And though we can never see it, God reveals Himself thousands and thousands and thousands of ways in His Word, in His creation, through the body of believers. He shows us all about Himself, all that He can, more than we can ever comprehend, just to give us a glimpse, just a small fraction of all the glory that He holds. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, asks the question, what is the best thing in life? Bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else. And then he answers his own question. Knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. Knowing who God is. By God revealing His glory to us, He then releases us And He empowers us to do the very thing that we were created to do. And that's glorify Him. Bless Him by praising Him. We bless God every single time that we stumble through our words trying to tell someone how in awe of God that we are. That's a blessing to God. When we tell somebody and we feel like that we're just hitting here and hitting there, but we're trying to articulate who Jesus is, who Jesus is to me. And we stumble through those words of how Christ became flesh and how he lived a sinless life so that he could then give his life. As the perfected and final sacrifice that would atone for my sin. And sometimes when we share that very gospel, we walk away from that conversation, feeling defeated, and feeling like that that we have just messed up and feeling like, you know what, I'm just such an idiot when, when we feel that way as we walk away. But God is saying in that moment, that one right there belongs to me. That one belongs to me. I've shown them, I've called them. That's my child. That's my child giving those praises. That's my child sharing in the glory of who I am. God shows us who He is so that we can know Him and we can trust Him and we can love Him. We will want to serve Him. We will want to bless Him. Packer goes on to say just a few pages later, knowing God, is a relationship calculated to thrill a person's heart. Isn't that sweet? Hosea, the prophet Hosea, in calling Israel and and Judah back to the Lord, said, let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. God's praises should continuously be spewing from our mouths. I miss... Bobby Wilkins. And if you knew Bobby, then you miss him too. There was a guy who he was never short on. He was always continuously praising God. I can remember when y'all would get to Lots Creek and we'd break up into groups and we would start delivering the Christmas boxes. I'd always remind the groups, take your time. Don't be in a rush. Spend some time with the families that you're blessing with these Christmas boxes. And everybody would want to be in Bobby's group. Why? Because Bobby was never short on words when it came to praising God. He was always ready to praise God. When my family and I had the opportunity to go to Awatimpton last year, one of my favorite parts was hearing my wife and my two daughters Sing, it is well with my soul. They sung that in a small, simple house of a lady named Miss Ruby. And if you've ever met, been on the trip to Iowa Temple, then you know Miss Ruby. And Miss Ruby and her husband were there. And Marty and Rachel and Riley, they sang that hymn in English. They sung it with no translator. So Ruby and her husband, they couldn't even understand the words that were being sung, but everybody in that house knew what was going on. Praise was being poured out through their lips. They were praising God as they sung that hymn. And even though Ruby and her husband, they couldn't understand the words, they knew that there was praise being sung, God was surely blessed in that moment. If I'm not mistaken, and I confirm that this this morning, Ruby was included in the group that Pastor Aaron baptized on his last trip to Mexico. So I ask, how was your life blessing the Lord? How was your life blessing the church? What ways can you find to bless them even more? I ask you the question, how can you reorder your life to know God and bless God in a greater and greater way? Or maybe the question is for you, what is it that you have held so tightly to that it causes a shadow to be cast on the glory of God being shown in your life? Are you saturated in the Word of God. When that offering plate passes by each Sunday, is your giving filled with worship in such a way that you humbly lay out that offering into the plate as you quietly whisper to God, this is everything, God, that I have to bring you today. Are you living intentional for the Gospel of Jesus? Knowing God is to praise God. And praising God is to bless God. We must be a people who are God-focused, God-bonded, God-seeking, God-spoken, so that we will surely receive the blessing of God and in turn be a blessing to God. David was a man after God's own heart, determined to bless God And we not only learn here how, but David also boldly says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And here's why. Here's why that I will bless the Lord at all times. Verses 4-7, to back in Psalm 34, our primary text, he said, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who who look to Him are radiant in their faces, shall never be ashamed. This poor man, this poor man, And the Lord heard him. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Who can argue with David's words? If you know the Lord today, that's your prayer. That's your praise to God. At some point, God called and gave you an opportunity to respond. He heard your cry, and He saved, and He delivered. You know, the Psalms of David are often linked to various life encounters that David faced. And then those experiences that David went through, they would in turn be what led David to write. And so the Psalms are sometimes Psalms of praise and worship. There are psalms of thanksgiving. And some are lamenting and pleading words of the writer. Listen to David as he cries out as I read a few verses from the 22nd Psalm. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? From the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. Then they cried and you rescued. And they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver him. Let Him rescue him, for He delights in him. Yet you are He who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because God is true. Because God is faithful. Because God is sovereign. Because God is full of knowledge and full of power. He is the Creator, the Almighty God. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. I need to praise God and to know God. Why? David says it here, because God chose to know me. I seek God. I want to know God. I want to praise God. I want to bless God all the time. Why? Because God chose to know me. And David goes on in the Psalm of Lament to say, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. David sought the Lord time And time again, and time and time again, God answered. And God delivered. He heard the cries and He saved him. God never, never denies true repentance. You hear that? God never will deny true repentance. He never turns away from true obedience. He always blessed and is always blessed by proper worship. He accepts every single offering that we bring with true gladness and self-sacrifice. God never hides from those who seek Him. ever. God is faithful to His children in all things. And so we bless God at all times. I'm the financial director for the mission that me and my family serve with. And so I receive every single gift that comes through. And for years, for I don't know how many years, every month you could count on, for sure, two particular donations. One of them had two $1 bills folded up into an envelope and would be sent. The other had four dollars. Dollar bills closed up together, folded over, and sent. And those offerings were earmarked. Use where needed. Use where needed. You have to understand the mission that we work with to really fully appreciate these gifts. Camp Nathaniel has 35 or 40 buildings on the campus. More than a dozen families serve full-time in the ministry there. Over 500 acres of land, beautiful land. We have the nicest kitchen facility in all the county. We have a full gym that has a recreation area, a separate kitchen and snack room that goes with it. We have a 50-foot climbing tower. We've got a huge swimming pool, a water slide. We have 15 horses. I mean, I could go on and on. God has blessed this ministry. And in its 86 years of ministry, this mission has never borrowed the first penny. They have never solicited for the first donation. They have never held a single fundraiser, nor have they ever written for the first grant. And I tell people that, and they say, well, how then? God. God's people. It's God's people sharing the glory of God's work and giving to the glory of God's work. Sacrificially, not because they're asked to, but because they're compelled to. Because God has chosen to know them. They give to the kingdom of God. God has used His people to support this work for 86 years and to this day, it amazes me as much as it did the very first day that I was there. I can remember sitting at the desk with my predecessor who had taken care of the finances there at the mission for more than 40 years. Been there now more than 50 years and he still comes in on a part-time basis. And he was sitting kind of going through some training with me and, and showing me some of the, how, how the, all of the bookkeeping and things worked there at the mission. And I asked him this question. I said, Mr. Plitt, what do you do when there's not enough? And with a very perplexed look on his face, he looked back at me and he said, there's always enough. There's always enough. Mr. Plitt, what do you do when there's not enough to pay the bills? What? There's always enough. God blesses the gifts of two dollars. And He blesses the gifts of $4 just like He blesses the endowments of $10,000 or 100000 when they are offered as humble offerings of self-sacrifice. Always. I have met with most every partnership that Iron City has as part of its mission strategy. And let me take a second here to exhort you to follow the leadership of this church. They are leading well. They are leading faithfully. And they are leading you according to God's plan and purpose for the church. In meeting with the partnerships of Iron City, I have found one thing to be certain. You are at work where God is at work. I am thankful to be a partner who gets to share in each one of these partnerships because the faithfulness of every single person who is sacrificing self and giving and going and diligently working day in and day out is blessing God. And God is blessing the authentic surrender with which you are fulfilling the Great Commission if you haven't gotten on board, do it now. If you've missed out on the testimonies that you've heard, do it now. Make that commitment today. Do it now. Blessed are those who bless God. And finally, David boldly says, I will bless the Lord at all times. He says, come do it with me. Come do it with me. Verse 3, David petitions his readers with zeal and with vigor. And he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Because this is the heart of your mission strategy here at Iron City Baptist Church. And you have come alongside us. I have been able to get some of our folks, some of which seldom, to be honest, ever get far enough away to lose sight of the mountains of eastern Kentucky. And I've been able to get those people on point with missions, believing that they are called to the same calling despite their circumstances, despite where they live, despite all their shortcomings. Many have stood right here in this sanctuary with me at different times. Some... Will be going to Awatempen later this year. Some want to come and serve alongside you in some of your Jerusalem projects that have been mentioned in West Anniston, at the detention center, and the places here. Some are working to find a way to go and serve with Life Point Church in Farmington, Utah. You have come to Lot's Creek. You've been an example. You've come to, and you've given guidance. You've been an example and you've given guidance. You've given hope. You've given, you, have been that person that they can look to and, and believe that they too can, can do that work. You've been that for our church. And you may think to yourself, well, I didn't know I was being an example. I didn't really, when I came, I, you know, I just felt like we were out delivering boxes, or we were just inviting people over for this community day thing. I was just helping kids get on a slip and slide or I was helping do this or helping do that. Oh, I didn't really know that I was being example. I didn't know that I was teaching anybody about missions by coming a a short distance to Kentucky. They seem like the same people we are. I had no idea that a simple trip to Hazard, Kentucky was giving someone else confidence to do missions. This is what happens When we bless the Lord and say to others, Come do it with me. Come do it with me. It's the beauty of partnership. It's the beauty of partnership built in and interwoven into the mission strategy. Listen, I'm the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church, and had you not come, I will tell you that I would have found a way to teach them, I would have found a way to instill that confidence. I would still be telling them that being a small church in eastern Kentucky doesn't give them any kind of exclusion or a lesser calling of the Great Commission. But you did come, and you continue to come. You come and you do kingdom work, and you continue to invite us to do kingdom work with you. As the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church, I am so pleased. To see our folks also now coming to a place where I hear them inviting you. Come do it with me. Come do it with me. And invite others to come and work where they are investing. It's such a beautiful thing. Come do it with me. Church, listen to me this morning. Blessing the Lord is a pretty big deal. Blessing the Lord is actually a really big deal. In fact, that is our divinely created purpose. Do you believe this is the Word of God? Do you believe this is the Word of God? Do you believe that Everything it says is true? Do you believe that everything that it says is timeless? Do you believe that everything that it says is inerrant? Do you believe everything that it says is infallible in every way, that it is the true Word of God? How many of you at least want to believe? Here's, Here's your moment. How many of you at least want to believe that if it came down to it, that you would die for what it says? Here's what I want you to do. Because it's time for us to be bold. If you believe that, I want you to stand up. If you believe that this is the Word of God that is calling you to take the Gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth, I want you to stand up. I want the people around you to know that I believe that to be true. So that we can, we can put any doubt of calling, we can put any doubt of responsibility behind us. So you can look around and you can see who's standing around you. These are the people who believe at least share in your belief that this is their calling just like it is their calling. I believe everything that I read in this book calls me to respond. I received it as the Word of God. That's how I read it. I read it that it is from my Creator, my Heavenly Father, and I receive it as my final authority and ultimate authority in my life just like you do. And I respond. And it's plain that as we read through the Scriptures that believing up here, that's not the belief that it's calling us to believe with. It's not just up here. We do it in our hands. We do it in our feet. We do it with the continuous praise being on my lips and yours. The evidence of whether I accept or reject it is how I live day in and day out, in season and out of season, living a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, what I want you to do is with the people around you, I want you to lock an arm. I want to see you lock an arm with the people around you. It's not hard. I want to see us locked together. Because this is the body of Christ. This is what the body of Christ looks like. This is the body of Christ that we go arm in arm and we say, come do it with me. And when I look out and I see everybody linked, I see everybody knit together, and I think, you know what, this is, this is Harvest Baptist Church, and this is Iron City Baptist Church, and this is East Aboga Church, and this is that church, and this church, and that church. And together, we're all linked together as a body of Christ, recognizing the same calling on every single life that stands, knit and locked together in Christ. And so I challenge you today, I challenge you under the authority of God's Word from Hebrews 10 to stir up one another to love and good works. I call you this morning by the authority of God's Word from Romans 12 to outdo one another in showing honor you know what that means? That means that you're going to put them, the people that you're intertwined with right now, you're going to put them before yourself. That means that as they have committed to the leadership and to the missions and to all the work of the church, that you will outdo them because you love them. Resolve today that you will not be un- outdone. You will not be outdone. You will give more. Not that you sh- so that you can brag. We've, we've seen that. It's about boasting in the Lord. So it's not so that you can brag you're going to give more because the people in whose arms that you're joined care about missions and what God is calling and commanded. And you're going to show them honor by being an example of sacrificial giving. Will you go more? And by going more, others will be compelled to go more. They will want to fuel your fire and for you to fuel theirs. I challenge you from the authority of God's Word from 1 Timothy 4, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. This is to live holy. This is to live obediently as image bearers of God. Disciples of our Lord and members of the body of Christ. Why do we do it? Why do we resolve to bless God? Because you were created for this purpose and this purpose alone. And in the words of David in Psalm 34, You have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. Would you pray?